Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Amen and amen. Good morning. My name is Rick Thompson. I'm one of the privileged pastors here. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the importance of God's PPE. Who who knows what that stands for? Personal protective equipment and the importance of putting it on. All right. So we've talked about the importance of having on the helmet of salvation, um, the sword, taking up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, applying the belt of truth, especially in today's world. How many know that truth is is what's on trial today? Come on. The, the, the father of lies is busy and active and he's making it harder and harder for everybody, not just God's people, but for everybody to discern what truth is. And then the last week, uh, Pastor Alex, I had a guest speaker come on. How many were blessed with his message last week? It was a good message last week. He talked about the applying the shield of faith, which the Bible says is able to uh, uh, extinguish all of the fiery darts of the enemy. And he asked a question, a rhetorical question, how many can say that all of the fiery darts of the enemy has been extinguished? Not too many can say that because a lot of us, we, we begin hit. So he, he gave us some some tools as to how to tap more into God's faith rather than our faith. Amen? Amen. And so today we're going to continue in our series that I'm, I'm calling simply the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. But before I jump into that message, I, I, how many, I was wondering how many people saw the Disney, the Goofy movie? Okay, not too many, but a few of, a few of you have. My, it's something that my niece and my nephews, they love that movie, the Goofy movie. But it's basically about, Goofy is a character in the Disney, he's the, he's the dog, and the movie is, is, is fast-forwarding. He, he has a family now. He's got a son whose name is Max. He's in the car. And he's about 14 years old. And as a teenager, like a lot of teenagers, he's very humiliated by his dad, Goofy. And, and his greatest fear is that he's going to end up being like his father. And, and he seems to be especially guilty of this when he starts to... Anyone remember how Goofy laughs? <laughs> <laughs> well, every now and then, Max will come out with a goofy laugh, and it bothers him. And, and unfortunately, during, during the, the, the movie, he, he spends a lot of his time, what I call, fighting his genetics, trying desperately to not be like his dad until he comes to, to terms that it ain't such a bad thing to be like your dad. Amen? It ain't such a bad thing to be like our Heavenly Father. Amen? And so I thought about that in light of my own family. My beautiful wife, she's here today, and Deborah. And every now and then, she has a sister who's about 9 or 10 years older than her. But every now and then, she'll make a facial expression that looks just like her sister. And it kind of, I have to do a double take. I'm like, and I've told her that before. Even for myself, my, my dad has gone on to be with the Lord. But um, every now and then, I will have my own goofy laugh, just like my dad did <laughs> back in the day. And, and the reason is, in all these cases, um, 
it's a thing called DNA running through our veins that because we're related to them, it's going to come out in, in the way we act, in the way we walk, in the way we uh, do things. Well, in the same way, God's spiritual DNA starts to manifest itself in our lives as well, which makes it natural to be and to act like our father. Anybody want to be like our spiritual daddy? Come on, somebody. Anybody out there this morning? We want to be like our spiritual father. And when we become born again and we start to apply God's principles by way of his PPE, his personal protective equipment in our lives in these areas, we become, we become, we start to act like we start to walk and talk and start to become like and think like our father, our spiritual father in heaven. Now, I want you to keep that in mind in light of today's scripture, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. It says, to stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And we talked about that belt of truth, and, and it holds everything in place. But it also went on to say, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And we know that he is modeling, when the Apostle Paul is speaking about this equipment, he's modeling that of the Roman soldier, and the, and the Roman soldiers wore a breastplate. Uh, that, a protective plate that would guard the vital organs in front of them, especially what? especially the heart. Now, the Bible talks about the heart being the wellspring of life, so we need to guard what's going on in our hearts. But listen to me this morning. When we put on the breastplate or the spiritual breastplate of righteousness, the Bible says we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, practically, what does that mean? And over the next few minutes, that's what I want to talk about. It's going to be a basic message this morning, but it's going to be one that's liberating for every single one of us and, and maybe a reminder for all of us that we need to hear this morning. What does it mean to have the breastplate of righteousness in place for the believer? Number one, it means that we are in right standing with the Father. We are in right standing with God, not trying to be, but the Bible says it's been imputed unto us through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'll explain as we go on. Now, there are a lot of people who are in right, uh, right in their own eyes, if you will, as opposed to being right in right standing with the Father. And they're right in their own eyes, and they live accordingly. Now, let me tell you something. If that's you, if that's you who's listening online, that you are right in your own eyes in the decisions that you make, that's not going to get you the peace and protection that you need or you want. There's a lot of people who are concerned with protection today. Uh, as I was driving into to the office this week, as you turn on the news, but particularly this week as I was driving in, I saw a lot of people walking down the street with masks on. Nobody around them walking down the street with masks on. Multiple people. I've seen them sitting at bus stops. I've even seen them riding their bikes. Now, how do you ride a bike with a mask on? <laughs> It's difficult. I've seen them driving in their cars. But ultimately, what are they concerned about? They, they think it's, I mean, I can understand some place like in New York where the congestion, there's buildings everywhere and everything is congested. Florida, we're a little bit more spread out. So to be walking down the street with nobody around you with masks on doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But why are they doing it? Because they are concerned. They are afraid of this virus that's, co that's going on. There are people who are, who are out... They think their protection is going to be in booster shots. 
And so even Israel, they're ahead of the game in terms of booster shots. They are up to, they have booster, they've given their, their people, they're already up to their fourth shot in the hope of protecting themselves with the vaccines from whatever's out there. Now, let me tell you something. I don't care if you have uh, wear one mask or five masks on at one time. I don't care if you're up to four shots in, in terms of the, the, the spiritual sin that's in your life. There's a virus that's going on inside of us that's going to, unless we get right with God, that virus is going to take over our lives. Uh, is anybody listening to me today? And Proverbs 16, 2 says, all a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. All of a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed for the, by the Lord. You see, the natural state of man is to build something and then call what he built good. To put something together and say, this is fantastic, or this is excellent. You ever watch the news? This is new and improved. Whether it's a car, or a TV, or a vacuum cleaner, or the shake weight. You remember the shake weight? <laughs> All of this was supposed to improve our lives somehow, and if we would just get rid of the old ones and put on the new ones. And so whatever man makes, it, he says it's good. He declares it good. Now, the new good word for today is is uh, what I've been noticing on the news is it, the new buzzword is science. You ever hear that one now? Is it just me? I follow the science. That's what I've been told. I believe the science. And then whatever they say that to, it's supposed to end all conversation in, in terms of whatever they're talking about. So whenever they say, uh, well, whether it's global warming or whether it's this or whether it's that, I that, I follow the science, and that means that what I'm saying is correct, and whatever you've got to say is, well, you must be a whatever, flat worlder, <laughs> or something like that. And it's supposed to end all conversations. Well, the truth is, and I mean, just to, just to go over that conversation just for a moment, the truth is, they believed the science of the time that when they were told that the world was flat. Did you know that? They believed the science of the time was bloodletting was going to cure most diseases. And bloodletting is when they nick your, your veins or your arteries and your forearm or your neck and they withdraw blood. It was supposed to prevent things like the plague and the smallpox and epilepsy and gout. It, physicians prescribed it. It was based on an ancient system of medicine in which the blood and other bodily fluids uh, were taken out of the body to, to somehow maintain proper balance in health. Now listen to me this morning. It, it claimed to have been the most common medical practice performed by surgeons from antiquity, listen, until the late 19th century, a span of over 2,000 years. In Europe, the practice practically uh, uh, continued to be relatively common until the, eight, until the end of the 18th century, and it's only until then that it was abandoned by modern-style medicine. But at the time, it was the science of the day. Bloodletting is the treatment they believe that killed George Washington. 67 years old, he, he survived smallpox, bouts of malaria, multiple infections, and abscesses. He had TB, dysentery, painful boils, but when he was 67, he had a thing called quincy, which basically is an inflammation of the throat and the tonsils. And the signs of the day told him the treatment was to bloodlet, and they bloodlet him to death. 
December 17th, during that year. And so for 2,000 years, that was the science of the day. Well, we don't have to go back as far as that. Go to uh, FDA today. And the FDA, we're told that, well, if it's been approved by the FDA, then it's the science of the day is good for you. Except when you go online, just take a few moments, if you will, just Google FDA approved drugs now discontinued. It took me all of, I don't know, 30 seconds to put that in, and I got 35 pages of FDA approved drugs <laughs> that was approved by the science of the time that's now been discontinued. It says below are the 35 drugs we could find that have been recalled from the U.S. market since the 1970s, some that have been used, uh, uh, have been used since 1930s. I'm not going to bore you with all of them, but Accutane was an acne drug. It was approved for, uh, on the market in 1982 for 27 years. And until they found out it increased risk of birth defects, miscarriages, premature births when used by pregnant women, inflammatory bowel disease, and suicidal tendencies. Over 7,000 lawsuits were filed against the manufacturer over the side effects, including a $10.5 million verdict and two $9 million verdicts. There was Baycol, which supposed to reduce cholesterol. This one killed 52 people in three years before it was pulled off the market. Bextra, which is a pain reliever, it caused serious cardiovascular adverse reactions. It says, in parentheses, like death. <laughs> and stroke. 3.3 years on the market. Silot, central nervous system stimulant for ADH people. Uh, it caused liver toxicity. I'm not going to bore you with all of them. The last one, Darvan, Darvacet. Remember that one? Yeah. It was opioid pain reliever. It's serious toxicity to heart. Between 1981 and 1999, there were over 2,110 deaths reported. The UK banned Darvan and Darvacet in 2005. The FDA was petitioned in, 70, in 1978 and again in 2006 to ban the drug by the group of uh, public citizens. It was on the market. Guess how long? 55 years, the science said it was good before the science said it was bad. And you understand what I'm saying? And I've got thir 35 pages of this. Postacol, Propacid, uh, Seldane, Regulin, Seloquin. For those of you who are convinced by the science, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Today, the science is supposedly supporting all sorts of fanciful things like we talked about in the belt of truth. You can choose your own gender. And that just came out. You see this passport? It's a U.S. passport listing. It says, first passport listing gender as X. News, uh, Newsmax, the United States has issued its first passport with an ex-gender designation and expects to be able to offer the option to non-binary, intersex, and gender non-conforming people early next year, the State Department said on Wednesday. How many know the devil is a liar? Whether it's that or evolution or, or the climate change, it, it used to be called global warming. Remember that? 
when, when people like Al Gore came out in 2009 and he, and he told us that the Arctic will lose it, some, if not all of it, uh, it's going to melt by in five to seven years. That was 2009. Do the math. And then they put out pictures like this that Florida was going to be underwater. Where do we live? We would be in Aqualand with the mermaids just by 2013. And so this is what they're putting out as the science. And they put that out there and the people are swallowing it, you know, hook, line, and sinker. And none of it's happened. And so they change it from global warming when they realize it's not warming, they change it to climate change. Oh, and how do you argue against climate change? The, the climate changes. Everybody knows that. So much of what they're calling science is today is not science at all. It's pseudoscience or science fiction or the science of the day. Because today it's true and then tomorrow they find out something else ain't true anymore. Now concerning men's righteousness and, and, and people trying to get, be right in their own eyes or be right in their own eyes, the Bible says concerning men's righteousness, there is none, no, not one. Even though you declare yourself right in your own eyes, Romans 3, 10 through 12 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have altogether become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. And it goes on to say it was written. And so we let Scripture interpret Scripture. Where do we find it written? We find it written in the book of Psalms. Psalms 14, 1. It says, for the director of the music of David, it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. How many, you know, there's so many people who declare there is no God. And April 1st is their national holiday. The Bible says they are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are, if there are any who understand, any who seek God. It says all have turned aside, they have altogether become corrupt, there is no one who does good. Not even one. David said this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He was a prophet. When God looked down on the world and he saw mankind, he declared there's none righteous. Not even one. So declare yourself righteous when God says there is none makes you foolish. So the question then is if we need to be in right standing or righteous before the Father to be saved, and we can't in and of ourselves, where does it leave us? Well, that's your next feeling. It leaves us wholly and fully dependent on God and his mercy. Not based on the law, because how many know the Bible says the law condemns? If we get what we deserve, don't ever go to God and ask for justice. You will get just what you deserve. When I go to God, I don't ask for justice. I ask for mercy. Amen? I ask for grace. And so, so it's not based on the law, but it's based on faith and grace. And the good news is we serve a good, good God. Amen? 
We serve a good, good father, and he doesn't disappoint. In Romans chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. It's not about your do's and your don'ts, because we will all fail. There's no one that does right all the time. If you do right all the time, go ahead and raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Come on. There shouldn't be anyone who always does what's right. It says, rather, it says, through the law, we become conscious of sin. That's what the purpose of the law was. It's to make us, to, to make us conscious of our need for forgiveness, our need for a Savior. So we become conscious of sin. Verse 21, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the, to, to which the law and the prophets testify. Listen, verse 22, this righteousness from God comes, how? Through faith in Jesus Christ. To who? To all who believe. Any believers in here today? Come on, somebody. Any believers in here? Any believers listening online? This is good news. This is, there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if I was to read the rest, it's a, and the wages of sin is death. But it talks about a free gift of God, and we'll go into that. So in other words, since everyone is a sinner, the only way anyone can be made righteous before God is, by, is to put their faith completely and totally in Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus paid for all of man's kind, all, all of man's sins. Didn't we read somewhere without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins? Well, that's what Jesus did. He shed his blood for every single one of us. Romans 3, 25. It says, God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to do what? To clear the world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear. Now, someone said the other day, well, no, that's not, that's not correct. It doesn't set us, it doesn't clear us of our future sins. It only clears us of our past sins. When did Jesus die? 2,000 years ago. Were all your sins in, in the future 2,000 years ago? Help me out, somebody. Just help me out, somebody. <laughs> Every single one of our sins were in the future when this was penned. And so I'm going to read it again. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear the world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action in full view of public of the public to set the world in the clear with himself. How? Through the sacrifice of Jesus, finally taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured. This is not only clear, but it's now. This is current history. God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live uh, in his rightness. Come on, somebody. So, so, so what does it mean? It means that we are wholly dependent on God. But, but it also means that we are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Write that down. In Christ Jesus. That is our spiritual DNA. That is the PPE we apply and is running through our veins. It's, it's like a blood transfusion. Think about a blood transfusion as it relates to a bone marrow transplant. 
where they take the healthy cells of, uh, 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 of a stem cells and they'll infuse it into the blood and, and that blood will move into the bone marrows and then, and that, and then it will re- replace the unhealthy cells in the case of cancers and leukemia, blood, can- blood cancers and, and leukemia. Well, that's what spiritually God did for every single one of us. It's a great exchange that took place in the heavenlies. When we put our faith in him, we are infused with the righteousness of God. And it pushes out and it eliminates the, 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 the sinfulness and, and what we all deserve or the consequences for it. And so all striving is gone. Or, or, or I'm no longer trying to be right or to be a righteous person. Because of the blood transfusion and the spiritual DNA running through, through my spiritual veins, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to be righteous. I am righteous. I'm not trying to be a Christian. I am a Christian. Not because I am good, but because God was good and he made me righteous through his son, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? To to, to borrow an analogy from Pastor Alex's message last week, instead of us doing all the lifting, us working for ourselves to try to to get right with God, Jesus carried it all. Take a look at this. Amen? That was Jesus bench pressing the, the weight of the world on himself. And he didn't, didn't need our help. He didn't require our help. He did it all. The Bible literally calls it a gift from God. Romans 5, 17. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through the one man, how much more would those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the, what does it call it? The gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Say a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourself. It is a, help me out somebody, a gift of God, not by works so that no man may boast. When you and I arrive in heaven, if you, if you get there, no one's going to be able to say that they got there based on their own good works. God, you are lucky to have me in heaven today because of how good I've been. Listen, it's never going to be about how good you are. It's always going to be how, about how good God is. And, and, and he accurately calls it a gift. I asked my daughter the other day, what's her favorite holiday? You know, she didn't even hesitate. What did she say? She said Christmas. If, if I was going to ask my wife that same question, I think she would say the same thing. Uh, besides her birthdays, it would be Christmas. Why? Because because, because in, in those opportunities, especially in Christmas, there's the opportunity to, get, to give gifts and to receive gifts. It reminded me of Gary Chapman, who, who came up with the five love languages for, uh, that, that basically describe how we receive love from other people. And he came up with five things. He says one of them is words of affirmation, saying supportive things to your partner. He said the acts of, uh, of service, doing helpful things for, for them. Quality time, spending meaningful time with your partner. Then there's physical touch, being close to them. And then he said, this last one was the receiving of gifts, giving your partner gifts that tell them that you are thinking about them. How many know that that's the category God put us all in, that that he gave us a gift that let us know that he's thinking about us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved, say your name. Say your name. For God so loved Pastor Rick that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever, that if I believe in him, I, I shall not perish 
but I, ha- I will have eternal life. And again, it, doesn't, it, it only comes through faith in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.30, it is because of him that you are in Christ, in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. And that is, oh, watch this, our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Let me read that again. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. Now, this is the wisdom from God, and he identifies it. That is, Jesus is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Now, think about that just for a moment. The Bible says he is our righteousness. He's the one that made us right before the Father. It wasn't based on our goodness, but based on his goodness. It says he, he is our holiness. In other words, he's made us holy before the Father because of the blood that was shed on the cross 2,000 years ago. And he's our redemption. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. He, he, he brought us back from what we deserve, and he gave us, he didn't give us what we deserve, justice. He gave us mercy. He gave us grace. Listen, if you want to know why Jesus? Somebody asked that question a few years ago. He left the church. He went out of the back of the church really angry when I was in West Lola Baptist. And he says, I don't understand. I don't understand why they're always talking about Jesus. And I said, well, what does that mean? Well, why don't they just talk about God the Father? Why aren't they, why are they focusing on Jesus? Well, first of all, the Bible says Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father. But this is the reason why. Because in Jesus, he became our righteousness. He became our holiness. And he became our redeemer. In Jesus, he, he, he became the whole ball of wax. He became everything to us and for us. He's the gift like no other. He's the pearl of great price that was worth selling everything for, in order for us to, 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 to attain it. He's the most valuable entity on this planet. And Jesus made it clear, what does it matter if you gain the whole world, but, but in exchange you lose your soul? See, if you lose Jesus, if you forget Jesus, if, if you neglect Jesus, you, you just haven't lost a, a, a good teacher or a, a prophet or a good man. If you neglect Jesus, you have lost it all. You've lost everything. None of it we've earned ourselves. All of it has been imparted to us as a gift. As we come to a close this morning, listen to me, you fall into one or two camps. Every single one of us fall into one or two camps. You are either striving for your own righteousness, declaring yourself right in your own eyes, and the Bible says that's what all of us tend to do. When we compare ourselves with the next guy, none of us says we're worse. Or, or, you know, we, we think that, that the comparison is between us and, and the person next to us. That's not how God compares us. He looks from a place of complete holiness and he declared the entire world under the same sentence. He says, I look down, there's none righteous, not even one. But because of my love for them, I'm going to provide a way for them to have salvation. And I sent my son Jesus, who went to the altar of the cross on the world and he sacrificed himself to pay for my sins and your sins and the sins of the world. 
And if I would just put my faith and trust in him, that his sacrifice was enough, I now have imparted righteousness and holiness and redemption in my life. So you're in one or two camps. You're in the camp that says, you're in the camp that says, I've got to do things to, to, in order to be saved or to be right, to be a good this or a good that. I was watching the news and, and our president went over to the Vatican this week and a reporter asked them because he has certain views on uh, abortion that do not line up with the church's views. And, and they asked him, what did he, what did the, Pope say about your, your, your views on abortion? And he says, no, I'm fine. He says, I can go ahead and take communion. I'm a good Catholic. Now, we haven't heard from the Pope on this one, but we have heard from our president on this one. And his view is similar to that of all religions these days, most religions these days. You got to be a good Catholic, or you got to be a good Muslim, or you got to be a good Jew, or you got to be a good this or good that. But no one tells you what's good enough. How good is good enough in order to make it into heaven? Well, if you just read their Bible, they would, they would find out the answer to that. There's none good. No, not even one. None righteous. None does what's right all the time. So you are, you are either in that camp that the, the, the say you have to do or you fall into the category of the Christian camp that says there's nothing you can do. It's all been done. Come on, somebody. Amen. And I didn't do it. And the Pope didn't do it for you. And Muhammad don't do it for you or Confucius or whoever else is out there, there's one man that did it for us. And his name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> God is good, amen? And all the time, he is good. And that's why the Bible declares with confidence, it's only those, he who has the son has the life. And he who does not have the son that ha does not have the life. Listen to me. The science may change and does I believe the science changes all the time but let me tell you what doesn't change Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever if I'm going to hold on to something if I'm going to anchor myself anywhere I'm going to anchor myself in the son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me because he wants me to be with him. And it's not based on my goodness, because there's nothing good inherent in me, but it's based on his grace and my faith and trust in him and his goodness. And he offers this to the entire world. He says, I will forgive your sins. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And he will give you that breastplate of righteousness, not based on your good works, but based on his good works. There will be an exchange that took place. And when, that, when you start to apply his righteousness, listen to me, his DNA starts to flow through you, and you start to become more like your heavenly father. Amen? That's how it works. And because God is good.
And so it, it, it would be, I would be remiss if I didn't give everyone an opportunity. Let me just remind you, we are in right standing with God. We are wholly dependent on the Father. We are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's only in Him, in him that it's done. So if you've not yet accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, that's where it starts. It would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment and even repentance. Repentance from dead works. Being a good anything is not going to get you there. You will start to do good things once his DNA is running through your veins. But you're never going to be saved by your good works. It's only going to be salvation through grace and faith in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, to come into my heart, to fill me with your Spirit. I repent of trying to do things myself to work for my own salvation you said the just shall live by faith and, I, and today I put my faith completely in the finished work of Calvary of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross fill me with your spirit with your power and with your love I apply your righteousness by faith in Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast, if you haven't already, and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.